Hello and welcome to the Villa Talks podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pre-Match Social. We're back after nearly a month off. Uh, we like to take some time off here, don't we? Uh, we've had we're, winter break, winter mate. Break. Winter break, continental, continental, continental vibes. The continental vibes. We needed a winter break. You know, we're going to try and look after the bodies here. Uh, everyone's reaching their peak, you know, in terms of their ages. So we want to keep that going for as long as possible. No, unfortunately, we've had uh, a few, well, various different issues. We had Christmas break, obviously. I got COVID, um, although it was fairly mild. Uh, and then work uh, has got in the way for myself, AJ, Carl, Sam, etc. So it's been one of those where things have uh, conspired against us. So it is what it is. We're back. And uh, I mean, luckily for us, not much has happened over the last few weeks. So it should be a Quiet. should be a fairly short one, I think, if anything. Um, but we're joined today. So I've got I've got AJ, Carl, and, and Sam with uh, with me this week, as always. But we're joined today by my good mate, my my fellow Martin O'Neill era season ticket holder, um, Nick Litchfield. Nick, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, Nick's uh, for those of you who know that Nick's been on the pod a few times. Uh, me and Nick went to uni together uh, and lived together, and. Uh, well, I suppose since the last time we saw you, you've had a you've had a little girl, haven't you? Yeah, three three months old now, mate. So yeah, probably lack of sleep like the like the rest of you guys. <laughs> yeah, she's probably she's probably yeah. too old for some Villa fans in terms of peak, you know, yeah. to, to get into the team. I think she's she's already yeah. out. Oh, I wondered where you were, <laughs> wondered where you were going with that, then, mate. <laughs> yeah. Good way to start. Been about, oh, three months. Been about to start. She's oh, no. she's already outgrown <laughs> the uh, the villa kit you got her, mate. So uh, oh, yeah. we'll have to get her a new one. All oh, right, we'll have to get her Coutinho on the back. But yeah, how is she? Is she all right? Yeah, she's all good, mate. All yeah, good. Good, good, good fast one. and stuff. But yeah, I'm I'm only on here for a cold score prediction. So yeah, and then mm. and then I'm off. God, yeah, that's, that's what everyone listens in for. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> should should do it at the beginning. Should do it at the beginning. <laughs> well, um, well, let's crack on, shall we? There's so much to talk about. Uh, in reality, obviously, what's happened over the last week or so. Um, so uh, we're going to do things. Well, we're going to do from the stands of Villa Park, but we all know what the uh, what the stories are. Um, let's not talk about anything else. Let's just talk about transfers. So, uh, big big week for Villa. Probably on the face of it the best January transfer window we've had uh, well, in my lifetime um, up there, if not better than the one we got John Carew and Ashley Young. Um, a big week and a big marker put down, Nick, don't you think? Uh, as the club at Aston Villa against, you know, sort of all the other Premier League clubs trying to do business in January, thinking of Newcastle in particular, shows you the ambition of the club. What, what, what do you think this means for Villa and where we're heading? Yeah, I mean it's it's I mean what we're only halfway through the window so far, um, and we've made two very significant you know signings, um, both of course going to significantly improve us. Um, two where if you would probably link us with these two players, Coutinho and Dina, um, you know about a year ago you've probably been been laughed at. Um, and I think since you know Gerard's come in, I think Gerard is certainly the pulling factor in getting these these two players to to Villa at the moment. Um, you know, if we were still under Smithwood, could we have attracted this sort of talent? Um, <laughs> I'm not so sure. Um, but yeah, it certainly shows the direction we are going in at the moment by attracting these two top quality players. Um, so I think you know a lot of Villa fans are certainly excited. Um, for the next for the next year and, and and for Saturday, yeah, massive, massive. That's um, I mean, I think your point there 
in terms of, you know, if we, even if at the beginning of the window, we would have said you're going to get Coutinho and Dean, you know, I think it's, or Dean, sorry, Luca, Luca Dean is how it's pronounced apparently. Um, you know, we would have been fairly, well, very, very happy with that, uh, I think. And uh, in, in, in sort of the terms of the calibre of player, AJ, that we've got there, Coutinho obviously was the third most expensive player ever. Uh, obviously, things haven't worked out for him in Barcelona, but still a massive, massive name. Luca Dean, one of the top fullbacks in the, in the league, albeit he's obviously fallen out with Rafa. Um, how surprised are you with, with those calibre signings coming into Villa? Or are you not surprised at all, given given the owner's ambitions? Um, I'm, no, I'm surprised. Like if, if you'd said to me at the beginning of the month, we'd have those two players in. I, I, I you know, I'd have, uh, I'd have certainly not. I, I'd have not expected it at all. You know, Coutinho. I mean, he comes with some baggage, doesn't he? It obviously didn't work out for him at, at Barcelona, and you know, when you've there's been a lot of articles, lengthy articles in various uh, broadsheets and the Athletic and all of that, talking about that experience. And you know, one of the issues was it seems like he he lost his confidence. So. I don't necessarily think it's a it's a case of him waltzing straight into the to the team and 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 transforming things. But even uh, even at half his best, he is he's going to be better than the options that we've got there. Uh, current. I mean, Bailey, notwithstanding, maybe because you know he he hasn't had a run in the side. He's been injured, so I'm, I'm not judging him at this stage. But even even a Coutinho that is fifty percent of the player that was at, at Liverpool. Um, uh, you know he's he's going to improve us, and if you look at his numbers at Barcelona, um, he scored twenty six goals in all competitions in in one hundred and six games, and only seventy of those games were starts. So you know for all oh you know he was rubbish or whatever, that's a pretty good return for an attacking midfielder. Um, Thirteen assists on top of that um, as well, uh, and you look at some of his passing stats. You know we've talked a lot about our ability to pass, so that's certainly improved under Gerard. But you know we still give it away too often, too cheaply, um, and he, he's just like phenomenal on the ball. Um, uh, question marks again in the Barca team over his ability to press, uh, and I've seen some Liverpool fans as much as they loved him saying actually sometimes when he was out of the team in tougher games that actually improved them as well, and I think that's going to be an interesting one. But I think. You know the challenge they had at Barcelona was that at the time they had Suarez and Messi, neither of whom you'd have to be a brave man to ask them to do a lot of pressing. So you add Coutinho into that mix as well, and it just was too many players not doing it. And I don't think we've got that problem because the rest of the team will press. Buendia alongside him will press. Watkins or Ings up front will press. So uh, I think we can afford that. So yeah, I mean, I absolutely delighted with the signing. Interesting to see where it goes. And then uh, Luca Dean, I'll take a cue from you on that, Omar. I thought it was Dino myself, but uh, you're, you're the boss. Um, uh, yeah, we talked about, we mentioned this on our chat on earlier earlier today, we talked about um, one of the games last season uh, when we were previewing it. We were talking about how he was one of Everton's best players, how he was one of their biggest creative threats. Um, again, his numbers, 18, 18 assists in the league, 20 in all competitions for Everton in the last four years. Only Andy Robertson uh, has got more assists from left back in the league. Um, and it seems like his problems uh, at Everton have been a personality clash with, with uh, Benitez, but also him pushing back at the way Benitez wants to play and the fact that that does not suit him as an overlapping fullback. 
Benitez wants his fullbacks to stay at home and get the ball in the into the channels to genuine wingers. Whereas when he was at his best, he was playing with either Bernard or um, uh, James Rodriguez playing off the left, uh, who both come inside narrow, and then he has the opportunity to. Um, uh, overlap and also under Ancelotti a team which is looking to play the ball around and build up slowly which gives him time to get up the pitch and overlap so it sounds exactly like the sort of player um, that we need and actually those two as a combination on the left sounds like uh, potentially um, a, a, a transformative um, combination on, on the left hand side of our of our team um, and, you know, we've been grumbling a little bit since Gerard came in about, yes, he's, he's done a lot of great stuff, but the lack of creativity, those two in combination, you know, and either either one of them as individuals should help us to create create more chances. So, yeah, yeah surprised, pleased. Um, any any signing, of course, comes with, with risk, but I think we've mitigated that with Coutinho, with it being a loan, with the option to buy at the end. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't be more. I couldn't be more pleased, really. I mean, the what? I guess the one thing you might say is we all sort of felt defensive midfielder ahead of attacking midfielder. But it's one of those where, when an opportunity comes up, sometimes you've just got to grab it. And I think the board have been great at that in general. It's similar with Buendia, where we decided we want him, we went and got him, despite the fact, you know, Arsenal, those sorts of teams were sniffing around as well. You can't argue with the decisiveness of the of the board. Similarly, I guess, with the Smith decision, they made a decision and they went for it. All It remains to be seen how that, that turns out, but so far, um, the, the signs are good, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, you're, you're, some interesting points you raised there. I think the key one there is the way that we're playing. You know, we've seen our fullbacks be, at times, probably the most further, the further, most further forward players in our in our team alongside maybe Watkins and Ings. Um and with the with the eights obviously protecting the protecting the defence slightly a bit more than what they did under Dino. So I, I think creativity is key and, and you talk about the the inside forwards, Bendir and Coutinho, obviously that's the way they like to play. So it sort of all makes sense and fits together. Um so yeah, interesting one. And yeah, I mean Luca apparently it's Luca Dean. So I, I, I thought it was Dean here and then I heard Fabrizio Romano on a pod on YouTube earlier today, he pronounced it like that. And then I, so I did a bit of research and I found an old Everton TV clip where Luca Dean says, apparently that's how you pronounce his name. So it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Sam, coming to you now, um, both both uh, signings, Luca Dean and Coutinho, have both said how influential Gerard was in the decision to come to Aston Villa. Uh, not in terms of just him as the person, but also in the in the way that he wants to play football as well and, and how it suits their style which sort of AJ alluded to in terms of Rafa's style being more ca- sort of counter-attacking you know we've talked off air around Gerard before we he came on board and actually when he came on board in terms of one of his main advantages uh, being that his name how important do you think that is now going forward um, uh, in terms of his overall package you know in terms of Gerard being manager of Aston Villa yeah I think you know um, Carl and and, uh, and others and uh, have, have been perhaps a little bit uh, not underwhelmed but perhaps a little bit disappointed by some of the football that we've been been playing in recent weeks and you know there there have been times where it, you've watched passages of play where it hasn't been a sort of demonstrable improvement on Smith ball if you like although there have been other passages where you're starting to think you know particularly when we, when D is getting on it 
uh, and we're starting to look a bit more creative and have a bit more of an idea in the final third where you think actually yeah we, we are going places but no, I, I understand the, the reservations and I also uh, understand the reservations that people had about the fact that um, Gerard's success was in a pretty ordinary league and in a, in a setting where it was you know very difficult for him not to succeed particularly when Rogers left uh, Celtic and they're in disarray and, and yeah Rangers were able to uh, to make hay but I mean you know that wasn't the biggest challenge ever but I do so I, I like what I've seen so far but we all said that you know if we were going to move on to the next level um, then you know recruitment was going to be key and uh, having a, a better group a higher quality group of players um, was absolutely essential and it seems you know I think we can all agree that if you'd have said um, you know when when uh, Gerard signed on the dotted line if you'd have said well Coutinho and Dean are, are, are Dean rather are two players that uh, you know Gerard will be able to attract but that Smith probably wouldn't have been able to attract you'd say well gosh that's that's a different level that's the next level that's the level we're trying to get to so for me I think that that sort of vindicates the the rationale at least behind uh, behind hiring Gerard, but of course whether or not it's a good appointment um, you know the only way you can measure that is, is in the results and uh, whether we progress in terms of you know uh, beating Smith's finish last year and points total and um, and you know hopefully next year if not this year but I think this year is going to be as, as AJ has said you know we'll need championship form to, to be looking at Europe at the end of this year but certainly next year I think it has to be a realistic game when you look at the squad. And I think, you know, one of the things that we've seen in a lot of transfer windows with Villa in recent years is we we make signings, but you think, are they actually better than what we've already got? Are they definitely going straight into the side? We've bought two players here that not only are they going straight into the side, they're probably our two best players, I, I would say. Yeah, and, and for me, that's a complete sea change from the windows that we've seen uh, you know, for the past God knows how long. Was Maloney also in that window where we signed Young and yeah, was, yeah, Yeah, we were going to sign, we oh, were gonna sign always him. Always the bridesmaid. Yeah, we were going to sign him in the summer, summer on a free, but we managed to get him for 1.5 million, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, Don't forget the little fella. Oh, I he love Maloney. I wish you had a chance. Maybe under different, uh, maybe under different manager, even though O'Neill loved him. I don't think he suited his style. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you're right. I think in, in terms of the, cal- you know, I mentioned it, the calibre of player, you know, this is on a different level. And, and Carl, I wonder, you know, um, I wonder if this was always the plan or whether it's a shift in mentality with Gerard coming in in terms of the types of players. You know, we've been used to getting players. Martinez aside, who obviously is a keeper in terms of age, it works slightly different as we know with keepers. But pretty much across the board, we've signed players who have got room to grow um, are on the younger side. You know, so I think last two seasons where we bought the two best championship players and we and Buendia and Watkins and looked at, the, looked at uh, those types of players. By the May, you know that's that's the kind of players we've looked at now to sign established Premier League top tier players. You know, Dean has been at Paris Saint Germain, Roma, Barcelona, Coutinho, Liverpool, Barcelona. They've you know won a World Cup, the Champions League titles, etc. To buy those types of players and and, and not players who are, um, you know, who've won those titles and are at the end of their career, but players who've won those titles and are at the peak of their career. I mean, do, do, you, do you think that is a shift in mentality or do you think this was always the plan in terms of the evolution of Aston Villa from what we saw when the owners came in when we were languishing 13th in the championship to now where we are now? Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure whether it's a shift. Um, I mean, we, we bought Ings as well, who's not a, you know, he's not a 21-year-old. But I, I, I've got 
I feel like it's more if the opportunity is there, it'd be ridiculous to to not to not do it. Like, I mean, you can't you can't just you can't only look at what's good for the future. If there's if there's an opportunity there that's going to improve you right now, and you know Sam's quite right in that they probably. I mean, Coutinho is if he, if he's plays like he he did three years ago, he's one of the top five players in the world. Like and 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 now he's playing for us in, until uh, May at you know at, at, at the earliest. But so. I think it's more of an opportuni- opportunistic view that they've took. Um, I, I think the same with Ings. It come up that actually we could get Ings here, so they've, they've got him in. I, I don't think it's a change. I, I still think ultimately we're going to be investing massively in youth and, and younger players. But if the opportunity is there to um, to to immediately improve us, regardless of age, then then they're going to take it. And any club should do that. Um, what one other thing? It, it, just whilst we're on the. Uh, Transfer window, um, which genuinely is probably it's you know I was discussing it with a friend today in the in the pub I had a, a couple of pints and we were, were discussing this transfer window and it's the sort of transfer window that we usually look at other clubs and go why don't we have one of them transfer windows when when this happens for us and we both both said pretty much at the same time that but what what's it mean is. Is, is something dodgy about it. And it was immediately our brummy pessimism going, there's something sinister going on here, though. It can't be just something we can just enjoy. Um, but there was that. And, and one other thing on the transfer window um, is uh, everyone's ignoring the absolute tedium that's going on as well, which is kind of like an undercurrent in this transfer window, which is us trying to get a uh, backup goalkeeper. <laughs> and, um, and I've been watching it and I've been, I've been wondering how anyone gets excited about it. But we was, um, there was two comments today that I saw on, on Twitter. We, we was um, linked with a PSG goalkeeper. Um, Sergio Rico, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I was like, surely no one's really got anything to say about that. But, um, one comment underneath it was, "I'd prefer we went for Darren Randolph." Which, why would anyone ever say that or or want have that want? And the other one was, "He's not as good as Jed Steer." So he is. It, yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm sure he is. But um, I just enjoy the fact that we, you know, we brought Coutinho and uh, Everton's best player, who's probably our second best player now, and uh, we've still got people sort of furiously commenting on. Uh, uh, a, a pursuit of a, a backup goalkeeper. It's quite, yeah, quite that's, that's without even getting onto the Basuma topic, which I'm sure... Well, well that's what I was just going to talk about, actually, mate, because from the point of view of the strategy, I think that's the more interesting one. Because you can see with both Dean and Coutinho, the opportunistic thing that Carl was talking about there, where, you know, Dean is upset, you know, uh, other clubs were in for him, but, you know, he didn't want to go to Newcastle because they, they might go down. You didn't want to go to Chelsea on loan and then just be second choice when Chilwell comes back. So, you know, we were in there. We had an opportunity. We took it. Similarly with Coutinho. Uh, let's be honest, none of the big clubs wanted Coutinho. They didn't want to take on his wages. They do, you know, but the opportunity is still there and it's still a big signing for us. Basuma, whilst we've all been saying on this pod for about five transfer windows that we need a defensive midfielder and he would absolutely go into our team and improve it for me that's the sort of so if we're talking about 40 50 million for Basuma whilst from a football perspective I can see it I, I just think those are the sort of players we should be able to you know what is Langer for if all we're going to do 
is sign players like Ings and Basuma, who we already know everything about them. And you know, anybody could pick those players out of a lineup and say, "Oh yeah, that'd be a good signing." Like Brighton, pay. He, he might have to go in a lineup. Actually, he might have to go. He yeah, as it goes. Well, that's another issue. But just from a purely from a football point of view, obviously he improves. He improves the team, but. Brighton spent fifteen million pounds when they bought him from um, Lille, I think, wasn't it? Uh, so why aren't we in a in a position where we're able to find the next Basuma as opposed to going out and spending forty, fifty million pounds? Especially because now, look, you know, Louise and Nakamba both have their limitations, but we know they can do a mid-table job as defensive midfielders. So whilst we would like to strengthen that part of the team, and it's important, it's not an urgent crisis position that we need to fill so um i just think if we do end up spending 40 million plus on basuma yes on the one hand it's another statement of intent and ambition and all of that sort of stuff but it feels like if that is the case then there has been a shift in strategy that is more about bringing success in a more immediate way um and and almost to a degree gambling on that because we're gonna have to get into Europe more quickly to justify that spend to the financial fair play people. Um, whereas before it, it felt like that process was more gradual. And whether that whether that changes to do with Steven Gerrard as well and him being a bit more impatient for success, I, I don't know. But I think that, that Basuma rumour, that was quite nice, isn't it? The, the Basuma rumour... Um, it is more of a bit of a litmus test of where we are on, on strategy, uh, whether anything comes of that, than the two signings we've made so far for me. I, I do wonder with Basuma whether it's been driven by either his agent or Brighton. Uh, because, you know, as we know, Villa are pretty tight-lipped when it comes to transfers. And you can pretty much see a pattern when there is uh, a Villa transfer uh, rumour that... Uh, has some legs to it. It tends to come from the same journalist, which probably means that Villa have leaked it or or not leaked it as such, but maybe have informed the journalist because it's nearly done. I was, I was whereas, saying whereas that, the, yeah, I was saying yeah. that to my friend today that the Basuma one feels more like one of those rumours that is never going to happen and we'll, yeah. we'll go away from this transfer window thinking, were we ever in for him? But the Coutinho and Dean ones, it kind of felt like they were actual links and yeah, um and yeah, yeah it's probably, this probably is comp- I think Sam it's Sam Wallace isn't it I think from from the Telegraph mm. who's who's brought the Basuma stuff and and there was a bit from Sky Sports as well which neither of which and I don't Daily Mail uh, and Daily Mail which I don't yeah no. Tom Collins yeah. I don't I don't think any, I don't think any of them have uh, a close links to Villa so I'd be surprised until Stephen Gerrard says there's no smoke without fire you know that was wonderful <laughs> I, I don't, don't want to comment on I don't want to comment on another person's player but yeah. there's no Do smoke not, Sam that. Sam don't dare do a scout accent. We're not having no, a whole pod no. with this I guy. Did, I loved, I loved, <laughs> I absolutely loved Gerard's comment there. No, I, I, I won't talk about yeah. other players, but yeah, we, we are going to buy him. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Nick, 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 if it was you, if you were Perslo, you know, going back to AJ's comments there. Just um, be careful here, Nick, because if you were Perslo, then Omar would hate you, just so you know that. <laughs> I don't hate, I never said I hated no, I was, him, I said I didn't trust him. And I, don't I wanted trust to him. go back to the, um, I think, I think the Gerard interview when he... When uh, when Gerard reeled off all his um, his caps and all the stats about Coutinho without actually sort of admitting that Villa room for him, I, that was that yeah. was quite knew knew his knew his wiki page off by heart, didn't he? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was interesting. That was a telltale sign, wasn't it? Um, I mean, yeah. Nick, so Nick, going back to my question, you know, if you were if you were Perslow, you were Villa, 
um, you know, would you look at Basumo, 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 Basuma, and pay pay that sort of 40, 50 million pounds that's been mooted for a ready-made player, player who's experienced in the Premier League, um, has done well, is obviously looking for a top four, top six move, and it's probably it's probably good enough to 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 be in those teams, um, but with the obviously the the risk of well, firstly the money, but more importantly the the potential court case hanging over him, or would you like to see us? scour the market and look for someone like I don't know Zachariah has been mentioned Kamara from Rangers uh, Kamara in France you know these types of players have all been mentioned uh, as defensive midfielders what 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 would be your strategy do you think um, I, I think one of the problems with Villa in the past is that we've tried to unearth a few gems ourselves um, from abroad and it hasn't always worked well a lot of the time it hasn't really worked out um, you know, it's very rarely we'll sign someone for you know ten million pounds or less, and they end you know they end up turning to you know a basuma that's you know then worth forty fifty million. Um, but on the flip side of it, you've got to be careful that you almost don't do an Everton where you go and spend you know millions and millions of pounds over the course of three or four transfer windows and end up with an aging squad on massive wages and you're still haven't broken that top six. Um, so I think it's incredibly difficult to find the balance there um, between when do you go and make that more established signing and, and, you know, splash out a bit more and when do you, you know, go and actually try and unearth that gem and, and take a risk. You know, I think at the moment we've got a, a relatively good balance now between sort of youth um, and experience throughout, throughout the squad. Um, and it does feel that, you know, with even though we've made a couple of big signings, I think with a couple more going into next year, should stand off in squad um, in good stead to really try and attack that top six. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's a good point about Everton, actually. I think that's something that we haven't really talked about is the potential risk of, of buying players like this uh, and anything with an Asian squad. Obviously, I, I think, you know, going back to Carl's point earlier, you know, we are still investing in the youth and Keir Smith from Dundee United, obviously being linked and, and looks like he'll be coming in the next couple of days as well. Uh, one of the, you know, the hot, most highly rated centre-backs in, in Britain at the moment, uh, 17-year-old, and looks like he's going to be coming into the under-23s with a view of bring, being in the first-team squad probably next season. So there, there is, they're still doing investing in the youth, but you know you're, you're right. You know we talked about in the pod before about the number of twenty million pound plus players that Everton have signed that aren't doing anything for them. And I think it was like twenty four players they've signed at twenty million pound plus. So you you have to be careful. Uh, so you have to be a bit calculated about this. So it'd be interesting to see what happens the rest of the window, uh, Sam, isn't it? Wouldn't it in terms of whether we continue to spend in the same way or whether that's it for now? And maybe we sign a couple of youth players and sign that goalkeeper as Carl mentioned. Um, I guess I guess we will see. What what, uh, what are your hopes um, for the for the rest of the window? Ideally, what would you like to see? Yeah, uh, to be honest, if we get a, a keeper in, um, then 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 great. And you know, this young lad from Scotland obviously uh, could be um, offer competition in the centre half position. Um, I think the positions that we need to look at really, um, we need a we probably need another centre half. I don't know what's going on with House. It might be the case that we take that option up. It might be the case that House fancies uh, first team football somewhere else, and we can't promise it to him. And I think that that's fair enough if he wants that. Um, but I think we're going to end up being in the market for a centre half. And I think, of course, you know, 
not to go over old ground, but the the, the, the CDM position is uh, an area that needs attention. I just don't see it happening in this window. Um, I think that uh, apart from a keeper, I think that we're done for this window. Uh, I don't think we're going to get Basuma. I think we'll address those issues in the summer. Um, and I, you know, I think that doing this gradually is, is the right thing. I think that obviously um, Louise can cover the CDM position for now, and Akamba will come back from the Afcon, and I think we'll see where we are in the summer. Um, as as we've said with Coutinho, as we've said not with Afcon, is he? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. As we've said with um, as we've said with uh, Coutinho and Dine or Dean, sorry. If, if there's a CDM that is gettable at the right plot price and, and is a no-brainer, then sure. But I don't think, I agree, totally agree with AJ on this, I don't think Basuma is that player at 40 million quid. So I anticipate a, a goalie, but I think that we'll deal with the other uh, areas in the squad that need attention over the summer. And I think that the question for Villa fans and obviously the question for the recruitment team is, you know, if we do a CDM in, and a, and a centre-half in the summer, and if they're like uh, Coutinho and Dean, good enough to go straight into the side, then we're going to look in really good shape. And the question then becomes, well, w- w- you know, where do you go then in, in terms of upgrading the squad? Um, I think that we'll be into the sort of realms of, you know, looking at some fan favourites, uh, the likes of Mings or, or, or whoever, who could be uh, car shaking, car just, just say Watkins, Sam. Say in Watkins, life of being that's what you're saying on WhatsApp. No, 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 no. Say your chest, mate. Say your chest. McGinn, I think I, McGinn. McGinn. I mean, especially McGinn. If we're going to keep trying to play him on the right, which just seems yeah, yeah bad to me. But yeah. You know. But in, no, inside, no, but inside I, out number eights apparently is a thing now. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, but I think in the summer, I think centre half and the CDM for sure. Um, and I think we'll be in great shape then, actually, uh, to, to really mount a challenge for Europe next season. Um, one player that's uh, going the other way, uh, or has gone the other way, is Anwar Al-Ghazi. Um, so a lot of uh, messages on Twitter in terms of, obviously, his contribution to Villa, both in terms of playoff final, but also keeping us up and, and some important goals he scored last season in particular. Um, but it seems like it's just a loan for now. Uh, there's a potential option to buy, but it's not an obligation to buy. So I guess we will see whether he comes back into the fold next season. I I, I imagine that's his time done at Villa. Um, he's not looking. I mean, we talked about this obviously on the WhatsApp group. He hasn't really featured under Gerard. He hasn't started a game. Um, and, and you got you know Chuck Wemaker. You got Coutinho now. We got Traore and Trez to come back from Afcon as well. So it looks like he's not really going to have too much of a of a place in the squad going forward. Um, AJ, your your thoughts on Al Ghazi, just quickly in summary, in terms of his contribution to the team. Obviously, signed him on loan initially, and then purchased him. I think it was about eight million pounds. Um, fairly fairly decent outlay. Uh, um, d- decent good. return for the outlay. Sorry. Yeah, good return. Good bloke. Um, just uh, he's limited, isn't he? We've said it before. I know. I think I said it might have been the last one we did. I didn't ever want to see him start for us again. So that was that was a nice way for me to send him off. But he's a good bloke. You know, he scored 11 goals last year or whatever it was. We um, wouldn't have finished where we did last season without uh, that contribution. Ice cold penalty taker. He scored some important pen on pens for us. Um, but probably just shoots a little bit too much and um, probably isn't quite as good as he thinks he is uh, and that causes him some issues. I also think from an Everton point of view, it's a bit of a weird one. Um, if you read all of the comments on the transfers from Everton fans and stuff, they're all basically saying, well, 
winger is literally the only place where we don't need to sign anyone. Um, there's also rumours that Mashiri wanted him because of a relationship with uh, Jarabchian or whatever. Um, Mendes, Mendes, is he Mendes? Or is he, oh, is he well, the Everton fans seem to be saying Jarabchian, but oh, I don't right. know. I haven't checked. Okay, so I'm just going oh, yeah. go, going on uh, mouth frothing below the line newspaper comments. But uh, for my information here, uh, but that Benitez didn't really want him, but the the owner wanted to sign him because of his. Re- so I don't know, but it, it just seems like a bit of an odd move for Everton to make when you know you look at Damari Gray and Andros Townsend. Uh, it won't be to come back. It feels like those are the areas of the team where they've actually got um, some decent players. And if you listen to Everton fans, they are absolutely crying out for a better quality midfield. So good, for, good for us. Uh, it gets him off the wage bill. Potentially, he might leave permanently in the in the summer. Right. Sorry, sorry. I've got I've I've got to stop this here. Omar, can you play the uh, heroes and villains uh, thing for me, please? Let's do it. Heroes and villains. Right, so hero this week is Anwar Algar. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I had to stop it. I had to stop it there because you were really putting a fucking downer on it. But, oh, well. Oh, I'm just, well, yeah. And plus I was turning it into an Everton pod a little bit, wasn't I? So let's, who, who cares whether it's weird for Everton, I guess. Uh, by the way, I think, also, I think I, sorry, Carl. Sorry, I do, I do think, no, I think he suits Everton. I think his style suits he, Everton. He does. He does. And everything AJ said is absolutely true. But, Thanks, mate. But Anwar Al Ghazi, or in particular his shoulder, got us one nil up in the playoff final. He's fucking done so like value for money. He's been he's up there with uh, one of the the sort of most value for money signings we've ever fucking done, or in the modern era. He's he's he see, he, he fucking broke his fast. He apologised to God, and whether you believe in God or not, he had to apologise to God because he decided getting us into the Premier League was more important, or not more important, but he decided it was God would forgive him for that, and that's fucking amazing. And like, there's, and, and as I say, I had to stop you, AJ. You everything you said was true, and it is a weird signing for Everton, but he's a fucking hero, and every Villa fan should thank their lucky stars that he ever signed for us because we're in the Premier League now. Not because fucking yeah, fuck off, AJ. VAR or fucking <laughs> goal line technology broke down. It's because Amwal Al-Ghazi signed for us. So, yeah. uh, I'd just yeah, like to say, what I'm quite pleased about is I've got him to do a rant on the hero. Yeah. Like, <laughs> normally the rant only comes out for the villain, but I've actually drawn it out of him for the hero there. So even though he was he was semi-ranting at me there, uh, or just, me as an avatar just, for, for other people who just, might just just just, well, just for context, listeners, uh, Carl started off with a glass of red wine, now he's on the beer. <laughs> so that may have something to do with the rant. And he said he was in the pub for two pints earlier yeah, as well. Yeah. I completely agree yeah, with you, Carl. So. I completely agree with you. I was when I went to AJ, I was hoping a bit for a bit more passion and a bit more. Uh, uh, You've gone gra- to the wrong man gra- for that. Gra- Come on. Gratefulness, really, for for Come our. On. You know, when you think about the shit players we've signed, Nick. Um, you know, the likes of Ross McCormack, Scott Hogan. You know, these types of players in the Championship. Uh, and, Tish Bowler. Uh, Tish Bowler, five million pounds. You know, only three million pounds less than Al Ghazi, and what they've done for the club. Uh, and and the, the piss take some of these players have done for Al Ghazi to, as Carl says, break his fast, be the hero. You know, and, and plenty of players didn't turn up in that final. You know, floppy haired Prince 
included in that. Uh, you know, he did. Uh, and his 10, yeah, 10 goals last season. I know a lot of them were pens, but still some important goals against Everton, Palace, Chelsea, uh, Wolves, you know, really important goals. That first, the first home game, uh, first home win back in the Premier League against Everton, the second goal Everton, he scored. Yeah. You know, um, I talk about Everton a lot here. Uh, you know, the fact he's, he's, he's done all that, you know, he's, he's got to be well highly thought of by Villa fans, surely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I fully agree with everything, you know, Carl says. Um, the, the guy, you know, potentially if he hasn't scored that goal in, that in, in the fight, playoff final, we might not be in the, in the Premier League now. Um, so that, that 8 million is probably the best that 8 million that I might have ever spent, in my opinion. Um, and also we're going to miss his, his ability on the, on the penalties as well. I'm, I'm not sure if he's ever, ever missed one for Villa. Um, That'd be interesting to know, but no, I think yeah, I think he's one. I, I, I think, think he's got the best conversion rate in Europe. I think I'm sure I read somewhere. Is that right? Yeah. But yeah, no. I mean, he's he's been he's been brilliant for the club. Um, a great signing um, at the time. Um, but you know, we, we're 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 moving up in the world now. We're we're in the place where we can improve the quality. Um, it's a shame to see him go, but uh, and I don't think he's I don't think he's going to you know come back and. You know, push again to getting the team. I think this is going to be the end of him, but um, kind of a, a a nice way for him to go. No, oh, yeah. Ultimately, you know, AJ's right in terms of he's he's not good enough. We know we know that he hasn't he hasn't been good enough for a while. Um, in terms of his general play, um, he was a good option off the bench, I think. But now we've got Coutinho and and potentially you know Gerrard's hinted at potential more for for uh, forward players either this window in the summer so it makes sense uh, and I said I think you know, Rafa's counter-attacking style would probably suit him I think it definitely doesn't suit this inside forward type winger that Gerrard likes to play that's not his game so I think ultimately that it's the right decision uh, but we wish him well uh, and he's he's been a great servant but, you know he's on pro- probably like you know likes of Harahan Chester uh uh, and these types of players, you know, they've done a good job for us uh, up to a certain level. You know, we thank them and they've done a lot for our club. They've put us back where we needed to be. Uh, but uh, if we want to progress, we've got to move on. Uh, so, Carl, villain of the week, who is it? Um, well, I'm, I'm just going to reel off a list of names because I haven't decided, but there's enough. there's been enough pricks uh, over the past week or last, <laughs> since we last done the part that I'm just going to, I'm just going to give you names. If, if you want any more, on it, any of the names, just let me know. But uh, Gabby Igbon Lahore is in there. He's a prick. Uh, Stan Collymore, another prick. Uh, Sky Sports News as a, an organisation. Sky Sky first, then Sky Sports, but sort more specifically Sky Sports News. They're 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 there. Uh, Michael Oliver probably don't need much of a explanation there, but not just him, but mainly VAR, VAR who could just be villain of every week um, and then finally today uh, Brighton and Hove independent.co.uk <laughs> yes uh, they're going to go in there as well um, so yeah just uh, you know the listeners can just choose their own favourite from, from that group should we have a Raw Rumble yeah stick them all in a ring yeah. see, who, see who wins oh, oh one thing we didn't forget to speak about sorry this is completely not off topic but uh, was uh, Luca Dean's agent Mikhail Beck do you remember him for Middlesbrough? Oh yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he, he's almost uh, obscure enough to be on the searching for Perry Digweed uh, podcast, isn't he? But yeah. not quite. Yeah, we were thinking of other random '90s footballers that might be agents, but you know, ma- imagine Marion Farhas turned up with uh, Basuma when we signed him. You know, that would be pretty yeah. amazing. 
That's, is, I, wonder, I wonder who else is out there. Is he is he his agent or have you just made that up? I've made that up completely. Right. I'm just trying to think of I was trying okay. to think of a random 90s footballer. Eagle Austin sad. I don't, why, I don't know why I'm he's naming not. Southampton he's players. Not. Why are they? Why are they? Why are they? And why all Scandinavian as well? I mean, yeah. I know Paha's. Where's Paha's not Scandinavian? Lith- isn't Lith- not Sta- uh, Latvia or Lithuania? Estonia? Estonia, maybe? I thought it was Latvia, Central, yeah. Central or Eastern Europe, anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, can I just confirm Nick's stat there as well? Um, seven penalty attempts, seven scored for El Ghazi in his Villa career. So. Excellent. Excellent. Fucking legends. Legend, yeah. Yeah, villain of the week. Sorry, Carl, to go, go come back on topic. Uh, yeah, I'll pick anyone, to be honest. Mm, let's, yeah, talk, let's, talk, let's talk about VAR because it, it sort of goes nicely into um, the Man United game. Let's talk briefly about uh, Man United game, FA Cup, and then we'll push on to uh, previewing the league game. Uh, AJ, VAR, now with hindsight, now you've slept on it. Uh, do you think it was the right decision? Um, do you know what? I don't actually. I'm not. I'm not really sure if I think it was the right decision or not. A few things about it that were obviously very annoying. Like they were clearly just looking for any reason to exclude it. If it takes three and a half minutes, can you really say it's clear and obvious? A lot of debate about whether it was a foul or not. But actually, they didn't give a foul. They gave offside. So they're not saying they fouled him. It's basically saying it's obstruction and he prevented him from uh, getting into a. Uh, position to challenge for the for the ball, and I think that's that's the thing for me is that if they've given that as offside, it has to be clear and obvious that he would have got the ball from the definition of that rule. I haven't got it in front of me, but Lineker read it out afterwards, didn't he? And yeah. it was it was something like you've got to be in a position to to play the ball. Now, the other side of the coin is we put those players there specifically to stop to stop runners that's what they're there for that's Austin McPhee's cunning little plan we all know why they're there standing offside and so to a degree it worked but I don't think there's any way you can say he's a good I don't know eight yards away from the ball still I, I don't think there's any way you could confidently say we prevented him from getting the ball Constant may well have still got there and and, uh, uh, and won the ball even if um, Cavani had been able to run Cavani had plenty of space to look where he was going and evade him. So for me, it's not clear and obvious enough. But I, I, I don't, I don't think it's that. I don't, I don't think it's the howler that a lot of people described it as, because a lot of people were interpreting it as he's given it as a foul and it wasn't a foul, but he actually gave it as as offside. So, but yeah, I mean, ridiculous that it took almost four minutes and then we only got five minutes added on. Yeah. Was there, was there literally only two more minutes of delays yeah. or do they I not add six, on them? I think it was six minutes, was it? I think maybe, or yeah. I don't remember now. But, so there was but yeah, nowhere I mean, near I mean, enough Konza, time. Konza, Konza was down with the, uh, we haven't talked about that obviously as well, you know, Konza. Yeah, Konza smashed was, in. Was yeah, down for a few minutes. For a few as minutes well. as well, you know, got bloody nose. I mean, I, they say it's accidental, but you know, again, Shaw's looking at him. It doesn't matter, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't matter how many minutes they added on. They was never going to let us score in that game anyway. So what's yeah. fucking? But play- I also I do also take Gerard's view that it, w- it was also our own fault that we didn't yeah that we didn't get a result out of that game. But sorry, Carl, I cut you off. No, that. no, it's fine. I, I mean, he and I agree that they didn't give it. They didn't give it as a. Um, they didn't give it as a uh, offside. They gave it as a foul. But ultimately, what they were deciding, what happened, it doesn't matter whether it was a foul or, or offside. Like ultimately, he had to be involved in the play for it to be offside or a foul. I don't think he necessarily was. He was standing there. He stepped slightly to the, to, to the right. And I don't. I don't mind about. It. I, I don't mind the fact that they've decided that if they'd have looked at it 
And that was the first part of that um, sort of set piece. That was the first thing that happened. If they'd have looked at it and went, oh yeah, he's, he's blocked in there. No point in looking at anything else. The fact that they then they went, not 100% sure whether that's wrong or not. Should we look for anything else first? Should we see if he's offside? No, he's not. Should we look if Ings is offside? No, he's not. Should we see if he's handballed it? No, he's fucking not handballed it either. Should we just give it for that thing at the beginning that we we saw but decided wasn't an issue? Look for everything else. This not we couldn't find anything. And you know, that's not what happened. Clearly, what what's happened is some man has went, I don't know whether what, what uh Ramsey's done is against any law here. She'll we'll look at everything else, see if we can give something more simple. Whilst I do that. John, you over there, could you just get the rule book out and look to see what the actual rule is? He's found... Delay, delay, stall, stall him. Yeah, and that's what happened. That's literally what happened. Talk about your kids, talk about anything. My, 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 my was there just hugging fucking Fred and on the halfway line, don't worry, mate, we'll sort this out together. And, and like, ultimately, what happened was some man is going through the laws going, oh, shit, yeah. What he's saying is, it doesn't have to prevent him from definitely getting there. Could is it the possibility that in some world, fucking Cavani might get within? Yeah, a quick send the email it to Gary Lineker so he can read yeah, it out as yeah. well. <laughs> Gary Lineker's already googling it. We can tell he's googling it. He's going to talk about it. It's fucking. Yeah. And yeah. So that that was the big issue. And like, if you look at it, he does slightly yeah. step to his right, but. Surely that's Ramsey's space. Cavani doesn't have to run straight at him, and that's what that's what happens. And uh, but I'm uh, um, like, it's it's weird, isn't it? Like the amount of times that things happen, at, at, at particularly Old Trafford, um, that you you start to think that you know, are they? Is there some conspiracy? And of course, there isn't a conspiracy. It's just. It's fair. Yeah. I suppose that's the issue with these VAR subjective decisions is, you know, we've got away with that pretty much every game this 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 season. Uh, obviously, it hasn't resulted in a goal, so I probably haven't looked at it, but it's not been given as a foul. Um, and other teams do exactly the same. It's a common uh, strategy that most people look, uh, you know employ when it comes to free kicks. They use those as blockers almost. And as long as they stand their ground, it's always been seen as, well, they're standing their ground. They were not moving out of the way. They're not moving in the way, et cetera, et cetera. If that gets, you know, if that happens the other end, you know, more than likely it's it's not given as a foul and the goal stands. And I suppose that's that's the problem, isn't it, Nick, uh, when it comes to VAR? Yeah. I mean, the, but the problem with that one for me is Cavani's run straight into Jacob Ramsey. And there was actually, there was a period later in the game, and I can't remember who it was. One of our players ran into a United player outside the penalty box. Oh, Garzi was it? Uh, yeah. yeah, and it and it didn't, nothing was given. So what's what's the difference? And again, that's the lack of consistency. It's something where, it's, it's something that's happened in the box that's, you know, led to a goal, which is why they've looked at it again. But again, there's no, there's no consistency there um, for me. And the fact that Cavani's ran straight into him, what, you know, what else is he meant to do? So... Yeah, <laughs> I think the other interesting element of it is every corner you're defending, you have the you know we you know we set up and we've talked about this a little bit a, a few times. We set up with our zonal guys, the big centre halves, zonally trying to just win the header and get it out, and then all our little guys are just blocking runners, right? W- would it still be an issue if Ramsey wasn't offside? Like if he was stood there and he blocked the run in exactly the same way, in theory they've given it for offside, so it's not. So what if you do what you do at corners 
but when you're taking an attacking free kick and you have all your small players blocking and then they'll have your big players just running it like if they're standing on side is that is that an issue yeah, like because you can you can do it defensively yeah. from a corner so again it, it's just uh it's just all these it, it's it, What's happening is you've got people like Austin McPhee whose job it is to try and exploit the margins of the rules and then when something actually happens that's on the margins of the rules the the, the referees and the VAR team if it leads to a goal have got to make a decision in that game what side of the margin is this is this on and to be fair that's that's difficult for them but they should they should know the rules and they should have clarity and, on but that you don't, and it, the it, more you it, shouldn't be using video technology video technology when ultimately all that video technology is get another man to decide whether it's right or wrong you just it's still yeah. it's still a man like just if you if it, if it's not factual if it's a what's my perception of it then just fucking leave it to the referee or, otherwise there's no point Absolutely, yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I guess I'm just trying to figure out where these issues are, yeah. are coming from, and I don't, I don't disagree with. Yeah. Th- they shouldn't be trying to resolve an issue around the margins of the rules during the game, and it taking three and a half minutes for them to do it. That's that's ridiculous. They're going to get. They're going to cost Austin McPhee a job here. This rate. He's not going to be well, able, really also, able to do anything. Also, think, of, think about his family. Sure, think about his kids. I think I don't know if he's got kids. Surely, surely the benefit. The problem is as well. The the burden of proof is the wrong way round it seems like the benefit of doubt should be in favour or it should be like you know if there's no obvious reason to rule this out if the ref's given it it stands but but what they've decided is if there's any 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 benefit of doubt give it to Man United that and whatever game well yeah whether whether Man U are playing or not but that's always been that's always been the case it's just they've got an extra check to make sure it's the case now (laughs) Who's, who's the referee this weekend David Coote I think yeah, hopefully not the bloke in who in Afcon just decided to blow up two minutes early, <laughs> and they had to come yeah. back on four. And twenty minutes later and play the extra minutes. Apparently, no, he suffered from heat stroke. Apparently, that's what they're saying. It was oh, four minutes. It was four minutes early, and then when they came back on, he still blew up early the second time <laughs> as well. They, 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 they tried to get them back out for the last thirty seconds. Yeah, was, yeah. The, the losing team never came out again. Oh, that's a yeah. shocker. Shocker. and the Tunisia. The Tunisia coach, who was furious, also like looked brilliant. He had the big shades on and all of that, like proper mafia boss type vibes. Love and, it, uh, love it. Yeah, it was uh, classic Afcon scenes. Which I suppose. Am br- I right in thinking that? So, sorry, on. am I right in thinking that when you know when we beat Manu in the league? Yeah. Uh, didn't they do their level best to try and chalk off houses? Well, apparently got? they've just they've just decided that that's disallowed, so they're taking them two points off us. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I read somewhere that they took it back so far they saw that Frank Stapleton had been fouled by uh, Dennis Mortimer. <laughs> but um, yeah, that no, famous, I think that famous one in the cup final that they showed at half time, they've decided that was a foul now. Fair yeah, charge, yeah. fair but, charge. But if it, but I do remember actually House House scores the header and wasn't someone blocking off the keeper yeah, yeah. or they were yeah, desperate they, they were right. dying to yeah, chalk it off. Watkins Watkins was Watkins, offside yeah. as, he, yeah, as yeah. he spends about ninety percent of his life just constantly offside, yeah. slightly offside, slightly a terrible yeah. offside. And Var's thinking, Var is thinking, oh, can we? Can we just? Oh, it bring, brings us nicely onto um, the next segment of our show. Vital statistics, ladies. Yeah! So, um, what? Uh, well, well, before we go to the stats, AJ, 
Should well, we... I haven't got many, as I told you. I know, yeah. Let's just, okay, forget it. Let's, a, let's leave it. Forget I've it. had a week it's off. It's just, it's just... No, I've got a couple, right, but we'll not, go not many. What, before we do that, let's get let's play uh, Controversy Bingo. Because I was going to say Penalty Bingo, but oh, it could go. be VAR Bingo. It could be anything. What minute of the game will there be a controversial decision that goes against us? Uh, on Saturday? Yeah. Um, it won't happen. It won't happen at Villa Park. They... they um, Coote, David Coote is going to be fucking on, terrified. Um, and what about what about when Fernandez, uh, Fernandez stamped on concert and then got a penalty for it? I mean, granted there were no fans in the ground. No, in that, I'm that talking one, about but... specifically this game. There will absolutely be no harsh decision against Aston Villa. Uh, it will be uh, best team wins, and uh, it'll be fine. Wow! Yeah. Wow! That's well, that is, just... that's probably the most optimistic you've ever been. Mm. I think, Carl. What? Even yeah, even more optimistic than a twenty-seven nil. That yeah. is. Oh, that, that oh, definitely, yeah. it generally is. Do honestly. you want? Do you want score? Or go on then. Twenty-seven nil. Hey! Yay. There you go, Nick. You've uh, you've come. You've saw. I'm off, mate. I'm off. And, boys, and Carl's conquered. <laughs> uh, uh, one minute, Nick. Go on, give us a minute, Nick. Give us a minute where you think uh, something's going to happen. I think it's going to be early in the game. I think it's going to be 23 minutes in. 23 minutes in. Carl doesn't think it's going to happen. AJ, what late, do you reckon? Late wounder as usual. Eight, 85, 85 plus any time after 85. I, 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 and I totally forgot, you know, I watched the highlights again of the league game, the, the away fixture, and I forgot, totally forgot that they got a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> Fernando missed it. I completely forgot about it. I don't know how I forgot about it, but even then, even when we, even when we beat yeah. them, they still got... To be a, fair, that, that a, was a penalty. Was, <laughs> Probably was yeah. Yeah, to be fair. It was a penalty. Yeah, yeah all right. Fair enough. Dodgy. It was a penalty. It wasn't dodgy. So, um, all right. Let's, go. let's talk go, about... go on. Go on so, I was just going to say, can we just talk briefly about how shit they were when we uh, and how, how you know how did we not? Oh, let's not. We had fifty seven percent possession. When have we ever had fifty seven percent possession right. at Old Trafford? Never. And yet, and yet, for all we, it feels like we created a lot. We only had four shots and only two on target. Because obviously the ones like the the goal doesn't count. The hit, one where Ings was cross, offside doesn't count. The cross cross, doesn't yeah. it counts as a shot, obviously, but not on target. So uh, still some issues around that. But anyway, um, what can we talk about instead of in, about stats? Well, head to head, as we know, is terrible. Obviously, we've won one recently, but that is the only win in twenty games, um, and we've only managed four draws in that period as well. So we have lost fifteen of the last twenty games against Manchester United in. Uh, in all competitions. Um, obviously, they're a very different team now from uh, what they were then. But also, everyone talks about their form being terrible. And all right, performance-wise, they've been shit like they were against us. But the loss against Wolves was actually their only loss in 10 games uh, in all competitions um, as well. In that period, um, they have also only drawn with um, young boys... Uh, and Newcastle. So those are rubbish results, obviously, if you're Manchester United. Um, but I, I think, you know, their form has been a bad form by their standards, has been overstated by the standards of uh, most teams. They're only six points off fourth. They've got two games in hand on West Ham, who are currently fourth. Um, obviously, change of manager, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so... Yeah, they they haven't clicked yet under Rangnick. Let's hope we're not the game where they do it. But they are still managing to, on the whole, grind out results and certainly not lose games, which I guess is what we saw in the cup game. 
you know they were terrible um but they did they did just enough to get to get over the line with a little bit of VIR help as we've discussed at length so um look if we play at the level we did at Old Trafford at home if they turn up the way they did um then I'm confident I'm I feel positive um we've already beaten once this season let's face it uh, and wouldn't a league double against them be wonderful but um I do think even though their performances have been poor they've still been managing to get over the line in a lot of games um, and we could have another one of those who knows mm-hmm. so what's your, what's your score prediction sorry AJ oh I'm going to go for a, I think we'll nick a draw I'm going to say 2-2 which is a bit bold because I scored two but you know we've got Coutinho and Dean to come in bit of creativity added to the mix 2-2 and yeah a Coutinho goal on his on his debut hopefully one of those classic worldies curled into the top corner that he likes to score Nick, your prediction, mate? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go positive. I'm gonna go two-one. Um, I think after last weekend, I think Villa Park's gonna be fired up. I think they're missing um, McTominay and Shaw this weekend. Um, McTominay in a bit of form, so I think he's gonna be a miss in their their midfield. Albeit, I think we're missing McGinn. He's suspended. Um, but I just think, yeah, the, the feel-good factor with the two new signings is is gonna have Villa Park rocking on Saturday and and roar us on to two-one. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I'm the same. I think I agree with you guys. I think this is the... If we're not going to beat him now, given how poor they were and how poor of a team they are, really, uh, compared to previous Man United sides we faced, uh, then I probably won't never beat them at home in my lifetime, I don't think. So this is the time. We've got to do it, I think. And uh, I think we'll win. I think uh, I think we'll win 1-0. Uh, and I think I'm going to say we're going to win via a penalty. Call it now. Uh, right, what, so, what, so, uh, so what? Who's what, what, on? Who's on pens now? Um, I could see Coutinho. Are you saying? You saying that Manu are going to get a penalty, and then Ronaldo's going to hit hit no, the I think, post from the penalty, and then that's going to rebound <laughs> and go? Yeah, yeah. Because we're, exactly we're not going to get a penalty yeah. against Manu. If yeah. you if you yeah, think we we're going to we get a penalty against Manu, I would genuinely give you my next month's wages. <laughs> 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 What was that? What was that about the next month's um, wages? Win. Is there a time? Is there a time no, limit this on match, this, uh, this? This match. This throughout match. Throughout the match yeah. on Saturday, if we get a penalty against uh, Manu, I'm giving Omar a month's wages. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, this is on record. This is on this record. Is, this is huge. Um, Coutinho uh, is quite a good penalty taker. Yeah. Uh, right, it'll be Doesn't take him very often. He's uh, well. He's Ings going to start. Oh yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. I maybe mean, not. surely with Coutinho coming in, I don't think Coutinho... we haven't really talked about the no, team, have we? Think, yeah. Do we? Do we want to talk about that? Do we? Do we think Coutinho and Dean's going to start off the bench? What do we? What do we think? I think. I think. I think Luca Dean will start. I don't think Coutinho, I doubt Coutinho's match fit. I don't think um, either of them will start. I mean, I would start. I would start them both. Just get them in there. Yeah. I, well, yeah. I get them in. Get it in the uh, mixer. Get them in. Get in and get some snow on it. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, well, so do you reckon we'll see Buendia, Coutinho, Watkins as the? I mean, that's what I would. That's what I would. Ultimately, pick. that's where um, I think we should be. Yeah, what has, and San, should be San, Sanson instead of McGinn. Yeah. Yeah, Sanson for McGinn, um, and uh, yeah, Dean Dean at left back. Uh, I mean, uh, Dean is as likely to be not match fit as Coutinho. Arguably, he hasn't played for a month. So true. True. Um, 
yeah, I just um, I just we'll, think, I mean, even even if he can only last, you know, 50, 60 minutes, I'd still I'd rather have him in from the start. The crowd are going to want to see him, you know. Uh, and actually, who's who's going to who's going to play there? Well, I suppose you would do the same with Watkins on the left and Ings up front, wouldn't you? If he doesn't start, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, no, well, let's see. I think he'll start. I think you're right. I think I think he'll start. Oh, gee, the crowd up as well if he does start as well. Um, I think he's got to start. Yeah. Right. So let's move on then. Uh, sorry, Sam, you're you're back. Uh, what's your score prediction? And we move on to Villa Vault after that. Um, I think I think one one. One one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll I'll, I'll take that now definitely. Uh, even though I mean we wouldn't beat them uh, again. I still think one one would be a de- decent result. And as we talked about before, we've not had many draws this season, so. Be nice to see one of those. On the basis that we've got players to hurt them, we've you know we, we battered them the other night, but they've got a bit of a hoodoo, haven't they? You know, so I'm always a bit pessimistic. I think also we really could do with the result because it's four four on the bounce if we if you know four losses on the bounce if we don't get one, and I know two of those are United, and one of them's Chelsea, isn't it? So you know. Fair enough, in a way, but you just don't want to get into a bit of a spiral um, that, again, and it gets hard to to dig out. So hopefully, the feel good factor of the new signings, and you know, even if it's a draw, uh, I think you know that that's enough. But as soon as you sort of start looking at four defeats in a row, regardless of who you've played, that is far less than ideal, isn't it? So, yeah, right, AJ. Um, one of the one of the listeners mentioned that he wanted us to talk around number eights. Uh, the the way that we play the formation how it leaves us exposed out wide what your what your thoughts on that going forward obviously we've lost a few games recently um, yeah the, sort of uh, the the bounce the manager bounce has sort of gone now hasn't it what would you would you make of those sort of tactics I, I think initially it felt like it was working quite well and the um, the eights were doing a great job of shuffling out and and stuffing teams stuffing teams out but I, I guess no formation is going to be perfect is it and I think. You know, when you come up against wily old characters like Rangnick, they are they are going to know what you're trying to do, and they are going to they are going to spring traps on you. And you, you could definitely see in the United game, um, especially early in the first half, they were there was a very clear strategy to try and get it out wide early, get it to Rashford high up the pitch in behind our number eights. Um, which, which given in the previous game, the big criticism of United had been that they'd been so narrow, and that uh, Wolves had exploited them down down the flanks. Was was kind of interesting because it was it was almost like a change of a lifetime's policy from from Rangnick. Uh, so uh, I don't I don't think so far it has cost us hugely because I think the fullbacks have generally been able to to slow play up and and get people back to to help out. But it is a it is a weakness of the system. Uh, and um, I, I do one thing I do worry about is. Gerard's inflexibility around that system and it's just too early to worry too much about that but so far and also for the majority of the time he was at Rangers this is the system he's stuck to and I think if you're going to be the same every time then smart coaches are going to figure out um, how to find ways around your your system uh, and I think the, the quick ball out wide from the kind of uh, halfway sort of three-quarter position from either a centre-half of, or, or a full-back playing it, di- high full-back playing it diagonally uh, to a high winger, um, I think that that is potentially a, a risk um, area for us in this system. 
Um, yeah, and I, and I definitely do think that from a defensive point of view, it, it is a risk. But I think what what it did, and in particularly when Manu were trying to expose that, is actually allowed us to it it, it softened up parts of their defence, which allowed us to penetrate how we wanted to penetrate. And that's that's what Steven Gerrard's trying to do, isn't it? He's, he's trying to open them up. He doesn't want them to just... He, he doesn't want them to know what we're going to do and just defend to that. He wants to leave what he perceives as lesser, softer positions in our wide positions where they'll attack that and then allow allow us to attack and, and attack through the centre. And, and you could see how that was that was working. We did look vulnerable when they had the ball. Thankfully for us... They had two wide players that were absolutely shite. Uh, Rashford yeah. was terrible. Like, and and he's a brilliant footballer. Like, but he's not going through a great uh, trial at the moment. He was shite. But and and it would leave us open. But I think what uh, Gerard is counting on is that actually it leaves enough for us to to be able to penetrate in the opposite direction. Yeah, and I think part of the argument as well is that it's a feature, not a bug. I mean, he's—I guess that's sort of what you're saying. Like, he, yeah. what we're trying to do is force force teams to go wide uh, because you know it's harder to score from those from those areas. But I do think you know if teams are able to get into those half spaces and then get it out wide early and bypass those number eights, then that is that is a risk. And actually, you know, early Rashford did look did look dangerous and yeah he didn't have a he didn't have a great game but he certainly got into some positions where he could have been a threat if he was in slightly slightly better form so I, I don't think uh I don't think there's a, a massive danger with it because as I say you know there's going to be vulnerable areas with whatever system you you play uh and it's about whether other teams can exploit those and whether the advantages of the system outweigh those um uh, and so, yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's the biggest risk in this system is an early ball into an effective um, wide wide player. Um, but uh, that's what the system's designed to be. So, uh, I, yeah, it's uh, it's not a big worry, I don't think. Right, let's move on then. Finally, last segment of the show. It's time for the Villa Vault. Right, uh, right. So I've Sam. I'm not sure. Are you going to do one this week, or uh, do you want me to do? No, it? no. You you do it, mate. You yeah. do it. Right. I can't remember. I can't actually remember the one we did last year. I think it was the cup that you did, Sam, wasn't it? I think the league cup win for memory. So I'm going to go back to not the last time we beat Man United, but the, the time we beat them before that, which was in 1992, November 1992. <sighs> we beat them one nil. Adrian, this is your. Like- this is that the last time before 2009 we, we'd then have to go back, apart from the League Cup final, we'd then have to go all the way back to 92? Well, we beat them in the, well, the League Cup, I think the third round, wasn't it, when they rested all their players. Um, we beat them in 96, uh, the famous win. Uh, oh, and yeah, then, you'll never win anything with kids, with that kids, one. Yeah. No, that um, wasn't 96, lads, that was 94. 90, was it 94? Hang on, I've got it here. We beat them in 2009. We beat them in nice. 99 in the League Cup, 3-0. Yeah. 
Uh, and then 95, we got a 95. win. 95, sorry, yeah. 95, 96 the... season, sorry, it was, no. wasn't it? August. League Cup, League Cup final, and then, yeah, 92, you got to go back to for the uh, right. previous one. In fact, we beat them twice in 1992. We did, we did beat them twice. Back to back wins. We'll, we'll, we'll stick to the home game, though. So the score was 1 0. Um, who scored our goal? David Platt. No. Just a guess because no, he scored most of it. gone by then. Had he? He'd he gone. He'd gone to, he went to Bari 91, didn't he? 91 yeah, after was the it? World Cup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say it was Steve Staunton. Nope. Uh, it, was a stri- it was a striker. Cascarino. No, he'd no. gone as well, is he? No, he's Carl, you're on mute, time. mate, so I don't know what you're saying. Atkinson? Atkinson. Fuck's yeah. sake. Atkinson. Ah. I was on mute. <laughs> is that what? No, you were. Yeah. I know you were saying. I, I could read your lips. You were saying normal drive. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, team. Who wants to go first? Uh, Who was our, what was our team? We're, I think we were playing. Spink. It like we we're Spink. playing a yeah. five, three five two well, formation. Spink's a safe bet, isn't Spink. it? Yeah, Spink. Uh, yeah. Is did Dalian Atkinson play? Yes, he did. Yes, Staunton. <laughs> Staunton, yeah. Uh, Paul McGrath. Yep. Mountfield. Who? Mountfield. Don't know. No. Oh, no, no, no. Teal? Uh, he'd left by then, I'm sure. Kent, uh, Kent, Kent, Kent Nielsen. No, he'd left by then, I'm sure. Sorry, was Sean Teal one or not? Did you... Yeah, Sean no. Teal, yeah. Sean Teal, yeah. Earl Barrett. Earl Barrett, Earl Barrett. yeah. So Earl Barrett, Staunton, Teal, McGrath, and then left back was... Staunton oh. not left back. Staunton was playing... Looks like he's playing centre-backs, uh, from what I can see mm, here. He did sometimes play... Uh... Oh, could be, well, okay, well, this player could have played centre back. I'm not sure. Um, Brian Small. Brian Small. Brian Small. Mm. Mm. Uh, midfield. Right. Midfield three. I think they played pretty. Gary much. Parker. Gary Parker. Yeah. Who was our captain at that time? Richardson, or was it too early for yeah. him? Yeah. Yeah. Richardson. Rico. Richardson. Rico. And Richardson then, in '92. Uh, really? '92. Yeah. '92, '93. Rock and Ron Atkinson season. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Um, we finished too early for Townsend, was it? Too, too, just too early, early for Townsend. Bit early, bit. Houghton, yeah. Houghton, Parker, so and Richardson. That's the midfield three. And so up front, do we have Atkinson. Saunders then? Saunders yep. or too soon for Saunders? Dean Saunders. Saunders. Yep. Saunders, Saunders up front. There we go. Knocked that one off quickly, didn't we? Uh, that's what and she there's, said. That's what she said, yeah. And then uh, for my night, there's, on, two, there's, not, there's two. There's, there's two. <laughs> there's two players linked with Villa who've played for Villa and Man United. Who are they? Paul McGrath. Uh, no, for my four main night. Playing four main night. Got you. Got you. Uh, oh, Les Sealy. No, good shout though. Uh, were they in the in the in the United first team? Yeah, they were playing in the first eleven. Schmeichel. Yeah, Schmeichel. Nice. And I'm oh, sorry, the second one. Sorry, I, I completely messed that up. Second one. Looks like has been at Villa. What? Not necessarily played for what? Villa. What his his? Oh, he's like a, must have been a coach or something. He's once uh, stayed at a Villa. In, Steve in Bruce. Spain. Steve Brucey. Brucey bonus. Uh, Steve Brucey. Bruce. Yeah. And lastly, oh, so oh, head himself. You, you mentioned you mentioned Paul McGrath there. I did um, you? There's a there's another player in Villa's squad that also played for Man United. Uh, there's another two players, sorry, that also played for Man United and Villa. In the squad. In the squad. So in the subs bench. On the subs bench. Les Healy. No. <laughs> Bo- Stop saying Les Healy. Do we have Bosnich on the bench? Surely not. Bozzy. Yeah, Bozzy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. 
You should you should know this one. Anyone Me? who's part of, part of the Villa Talks podcast should know who this player is. Perry Digweed. No, not Perry Digweed. No. <laughs> Which player has been on the pod? Oh, Dwight York. Dwight York. Oh. Yeah. But that was before our time, mate. That was the previous. You know, that was season. That was season one of the yeah. pod. We're the season two guys. Yeah. yeah all right. Yeah. All right. You should know what happened before. You, know, you should read up. When you start oh, yeah, I know, but it's just—it's not top. It's just not top of mind, is it? Imagine, imagine, you were, imagine if I was on the pod whilst you were interviewed right York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would—it would have that been would a be, very would, different interview. Very different interview. Why the? What would you have asked him, mate? <laughs> Wait. What would you have asked him? Huh? What would you have asked him? <laughs> Never you mind. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. We'll I do mean, it. We'll, we'll get back on. We'll get back on. Him about Harvey and why he's not yeah, I was going to say, would it be more hard-hitting journalistic vibe or would it just be like, John Gregory, I want to shoot you for leaving kind of stuff? Somewhere in between, but closer to Maybe John a bit Gregory. of both. Maybe a bit of both. Yeah. Right. Let's, should we leave it there then, yeah, boys? and also cut that bit out. <laughs> oh, really? I'm really... Okay, oh, I'll keep it in. No one cares Keep it that. in. Keep it in. Right, boys, thank you for your time. As ever, Nick, thank you for joining us, mate. It's been a yeah, pleasure to have you. Thanks, on. Mate. Cheers, you should, uh, thanks, we should, uh, we should get you on regular, mate. If you, if you can afford the time away, I know yeah, time is precious when you have the new ball. Uh, but yeah, thank you, boys, and uh, good to be back. Um, sorry we've been away, uh, but hope you enjoyed it. And thank you for listening. Please do follow and subscribe uh, us or whatever podcast platform you're on if you haven't done so already. Uh, this pod is sponsored by MeBay Digital, a uh, local Birmingham-based company. Um, check them out I'll, I'll tag them in in the post um, they're excellent digital marketing company uh, and yeah apart from that keep following keep liking our posts keep commenting keep interacting and let's hope for three points on Saturday up the villa up the villa up the villa up the villa I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it.